Hey, happy Friday, Cairo Sushi peeps. Oh, man, I'm so excited because this, this uh, chiropractic warrior tore it up at mile high uh, six. And uh, we get to have her on as a guest on Cairo Sushi Cast today, Friday. Uh, it's Dr. Brooke Lyons. First of all, because we have a link above for you guys to go to her website. Uh, I want to get where I've never seen Brooke with a KH in it. Where, where does that come from? I actually made it up. Um, I graduated from Palmer as Susan Robinson. But when, you know, in Canada, where I'm from, women often keep their last names. But living here in the U.S., it was very confusing for people once we had kids. So I had to pay money to go and get my name changed. And I thought, you know what? I never liked Susan anyway. As a child, all my games were like, call me Charlene or something different. <laughs> and so we, my husband and I went about finding a new name for me. And we came up with Brooke. And, you know, just kind of like Sarah with an H, you know, that's, that's so awesome. So you just say, Hey, a bold new you. Did you, did you feel a, a shift happen? I did. And you know, it's funny cause we have always these journeys, but recently I was asked to write something about, um, about being a road. Uh, it was kind of a warm up to a writing exercise for my second book. And when I wrote about it, I realized that that shift that it's so insightful that you asked this that shift that I felt was actually like trying to mow over, like make this big thick tar over the past. And it was still there. It still needed to be seen and, and recognized. And it was making big craters in my life now. Um, so I needed to kind of like look into those holes and see what was really there and cool. put the two lives together. And that's kind of how I got to be doing what I'm doing now. So sweet. Well, let's talk about why you got there first. Tell us about your chiropractic journey. What uh, what was the start of uh, your genesis there? Yeah, so my chiropractic journey um, was fascinating. I actually um, wanted to be a medical doctor, but when I found out what they do, my parents didn't take us to the doctor a lot. They were really holistic in their thinking, and so it was it was the doctor part, but I didn't know any other reference. I didn't know about chiropractic growing up, actually. And so, um, so I answered an ad as a, as a secretary, you know, a CA. We'd, they weren't calling it that because nobody knows what that is in an ad. And it uh, turns out there were so many relationships that I had already built with customer clients of that, of that office. Right. And I got to work with this guy in Ottawa. And one day I just said, what is it you're doing here? Um, I was a professional cheerleader. And, you know, if you have a, um, an inner thigh injury, which we often do, kicking all the time, usually with one le the same leg, no, I didn't know my hips were off. And right before, my mom had never come and seen me um, dance in three years, and she was finally coming. And my inner thigh, I was, I was really practicing hard and hurt myself. And he's like, get on the table. I'm like, why? What are you going to do about this? And there he went, and I, I performed. I mean, it was a miracle to me. And I'd already been there for probably six months. But it was all these women who would walk in um, – and look at me as if I was crazy when I was in my naivety and youngness, <laughs> all like, you're going to walk in and be great, you know, just a couple of weeks. And they're like, okay, honey. And they would. And I just, I needed to understand that. And so, so ironically, on the day that I received my stuff from Palmer, my, my uh, chiropractor that I worked with, Ken Broth in Ottawa, um, he said, he took me out for lunch and said, you need to be a chiropractor. And I'm like, oh my right. gosh, I didn't know how to tell you this. <laughs> and so that's how I did it. I did it as a chiropractic assistant. I think he was seeing 25 patients at first. And when, when I left, we were seeing like over 100 a day. Um, so I got to see the building of a practice and what that takes. 
um, behind the scenes and who you need in your circle um, to help that happen. And he was he's such a brilliant business mind, so I learned a lot. Um, but then in practice, um, I really was connected with pediatrics, and I was told I could never have babies. Um, and so I had a little agreement with God. You know, I, I had an experience at a laundromat out in Davenport where um, I was playing with like eight kids while I was doing my laundry. Nothing yeah. else to do, right? Um, it's hard to focus in a laundromat to study. So um, at the end, though, one of the, the moms, there's two moms for these eight kids. And she said to me, like, you don't have any kids, do you? And I thought, that's kind of insulting. I thought I was having so much fun with them. And it comes <laughs> to find out, you know, sometimes we think that people are saying something and they're saying a completely different thing, right? Um, she was saying, you have so much patience, I can tell. And so I said to God, you know what? If I can't have kids so that I can have this booming chiropractic pediatric practice, cool, I get it. Um, and two weeks later, we found out we were pregnant. <laughs> so, so I did get my kids, which is a blessing because there's nothing like being up at two o'clock in the morning with your kid with a fever and having the, the confidence to really not medicate, to really not put them in a bath, to let their body do what it needs to do to heal them. Um, and so having that experience made me a better chiropractor and human being. Um, but really what it, what it showed me was, was the heart of a lot of parents. And so we have these good intentions, but there's TV and, and you know, there are industries with a whole lot more money to tell us what to do and think than, than the holistic realm, right? Um, and so these women, usually because it's in a pediatric practice, sometimes dad brings them in, most of the time it's mom, and I would hear things from them. You know, they'd chosen, usually if somebody brings their kid to a chiropractor, unless you've, you know, been reaching the whole family, it's something bad's happening. Right. And so they had chosen, instead of going to drugs and surgery, they're choosing this little movement and calling themselves a bad mom, and I don't know how to keep this thing alive, and, you know, my parents were right, I should never have kids, and crap that I couldn't believe people would say to their kids, A, um, but we all have things that we perceive that were said. They yeah. may or may not have happened, um, part of our journey. Um, but I wanted to help these women realize they were making a good, strong decision. And then I realized who is making most of the healthcare decisions in the family are the women. And so my new goal became helping the women to have a voice um, and, and not a voice against their partner. See, when, we, when it's us and them, when our kids were, like seven years ago probably, we brought our kids to Dachau in, um, in Germany at, to a, one of the extermination camps. And the thing most pressing on all of us, my son was 11, my daughter was 12, and we were older. <laughs> um, and it was a pitting against us and them. And I brought that with me ever since because even in the healthcare industry, if there's us and them, that's why I loved meeting you at a mile high because we cannot be an us and them and succeed because there's always going to be the other side and then we're not together. But yeah. these mothers were feeling the same thing. And, and then they were like, well, my husband will never mm, stop. We're not throwing anybody under any buses. Everybody's doing the best they can. So how are we going to communicate this clearly so that we're not getting to this place where we're like, F you, I just want to like do this and I'm going to do it anyway. If we can get to each other before we get there, then we have this dialogue in this higher thinking place that we can't get to when we're angry. So that is my journey. Hey guys, we're live with Dr. Brooke Lyons. If you're just joining us, you can click the link above and learn more. I want to learn more about your ROAR conference because it's one of the, the uh, title headlines in your website. The tickets are available now. Tell me a little bit about what's going on there. That sounds cool. I love, I, I think of Katy Perry and ROAR. 
Yes. And that's what they played for the seminar when I was uh, speaking in August. So um, I, I think the theme of my life has been finding my own voice, um, taking some things that really hurt me in my life and not using them to sit in the pain of it, but to what am I going to do about this now? Um, one of the one am, what am I going to do about this is now is is how angry we are in our lives. Um, there's some legit terrible circumstances that are going on in the world, but what are we going to do about that? Um, and so the first phase is the awareness, right? We have to know something's going on, and then it's natural to be really pissed off about that because it's usually about injustices. Yeah. But for me, um, you know, my my whole life is surrounded around the idea of having a legacy. And so legacy, very often people are like, oh, you'd help people when they die. Absolutely not. And sort of. Um, I help people to live with more vibrancy, more fulfillment, and more purpose so that when we die, we have treated people with kindness and respect. We have had an impact in our life. We're vibrant and, and, and have good, deep connections. Um, so all the most critical things in a life, that's what I help. Um, give experiences that people can walk towards and create for themselves. So the ROAR conference is actually just for men, uh, for women. Even though I work with both men and women, um, this conference is is for a solidarity almost in who we want to be in the world and and the circle that we're going to create. So so it's an, a zero percent bashing of any nationality, religion, sex choices. There's zero of that. Um, it's all I've, I've briefed all the speakers about how we're not going to use anything except for our story. Um, so it's not like women are always blah blah blah. No, no generalizations here. Um, and so it's a it's a full two days of incredible women speakers who are changing the world. Um, they might not have a, a, a million people following them, but they're in the nonprofit industry maybe. Or they've got a story where everybody told them, don't follow that dream. You'll never do that. Um, my own family, actually, when I crossed the stage as a chiropractor, some of my family members li literally said these words to me. I can't believe you did that. I have to be there to see it. And so, <laughs> and I was like, I'm the one who follows through. I, I say I'm going to do something, and I do what I have to do to get there. But what they meant was that our, our family, our lineage, thought that women should be secretaries and hairstylists. Yeah. And I was not. And so it was nothing about me. It was breaking the barrier of what she thought without even thinking about it. Because she didn't mean to insult me. She just thought that, how could you be a doctor? i got to see this. Because cause that's not in my frame of understanding. And so this conference is to shake this thing up a little bit um, and to – to just sit and wonder for a minute about if we weren't living from this belief system of I can't do this, maybe women can't be all of that, you know, even though the stats show that women are making most of the health choices for the family, like I don't know how to do that, um, giving us some boldness. And I'm really excited about that. <laughs> yeah, in, in the chiropractic space, obviously the, the women's movement, just like in cultures outside the chiropractic inner space, um, there's been this big push for more women speakers, um, for more women's voices to be heard. Uh, what is the number one thing that you think is the reason why women uh, 
I don't want to say they're struggling, but or or that there's an, there is this issue, and that we're needing to address it now. Yeah, that's a terrific question. Thank you. Um, I think it's there's so many things, um, and I'll only be able to touch on a couple of them. But one is clarity, and so traditionally, even back, you know, not too long ago in my lifetime. Um, Women's roles changed so dramatically, even with the war, you know, we became workers, but we were still responsible for everything in the home. And there was no dialogue about this, it was just expected. And until we start talking about these things, um, it, it, it doesn't allow us to move forward. So clarity is key. What do we really want from our lives? Do we need to clean our house or can we hire somebody else to do that? Being able to feel like, not responsible for every single thing that happens and being able to delegate that to other people. Um, and we can't do that unless we're crystal clear about what, who we are and what we're gonna be doing in this world. And whether you're a state, you know, for women, whether they're a stay-at-home mom or wanna be the CEO of a company or run the biggest chiropractic office in the world, we have to know what our relationships want to work look like, how what our vibrancy looks like, fulfilled. All I have six pillars that I teach, and they're foundational pillars for every human. Because if we are not clear about what we want in those six pillars, right. then we're moving forward, and we're doing the second thing, which I always teach, which is incongruency. I teach congruency because if we are like so, so in that family member, it was congruent for her and her belief system to question how I could be a doctor. Um, but is that congruent with what she really believes? She's never thought about it before. So until I said, I'm graduating as a chiropractor, I'm gonna like change the world with my hands and help people, um, she didn't even have that conversation to make with herself. So she could not be congruent in her actions because she never even thought about that. Um, and then consistency. So that's yet the third part of what I do is helping us to have consistency. Um, but you know, women, Another part of the thing is we make ourselves so busy, um, and this is going to be stereotyping because there are men and women of both of these ways, right? There's men yeah. with women, female tendencies. We've got this divine feminine and divine masculine in all of us, but women tend to do things that undermine ourselves. Not only do we become catty with each other and, oh my gosh, who does she think she is, um, but we also have this inner dialogue that gets referenced a lot in our actions and how we react to things. Um, but this busyness thing, like if we have this hole, like remember I was saying about the road, these holes that I left ignoring my past were creating these like craters um, that I was always trying to fill. So I was volunteering everywhere and donating my time and money and then I was being everything to the kids and I wanted to make sure my marriage stayed because I have been divorced and I was doing everything for everyone, not realizing that I didn't need to do it that way. And so the business factor, even, and then there's some, when we don't have our confidence, I, I was just listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and he was talking with somebody about um, how his wife, so this guy went away for a couple of weeks or months, I don't remember what it was, um, with some monks and spent some time. Yeah. And when he, yeah, so when he came home, his wife was like, I'm gonna take the gray card. And then she leaves, she goes, I think I'm gonna take the minivan. These are not exactly the, you know, I don't think they had a minivan, but, and then she comes back. No, I think I'm gonna take the gray car. <laughs> <laughs> there is power in our decisions and it doesn't really matter what car, but imagine how much time and space was occupied by this simple decision and, and how much time we waste 
Yeah. Yeah. One other thing that pops up for me there too is that, you know, and I don't know if it's necessarily, it's because of marketing, but marketing seems to do a horrible representation of like the true authentic woman in, in our lives. Right. Like yeah. there's this like BS kind of, um, like the muddled up woman and, and she just needs her coffee and that will fix her. Like, like one of the things I think that we did, we found out at Cairo Sushi that was interesting is a lot of people assumed that we were very bro-ish because we did like a lot of memes and with really perverse senses of humor. <laughs> and, and everyone's like, your audience has got to be like all males. And we're like, no, we actually lean heavier towards like women have like awesome six sense of humors right absolutely never, right like, <laughs> and it's like kind of like now that's finally coming out like i think the last 10 years you saw the 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 the, the like Kristen wig and the melissa mccarthy's like i think that was huge for women empowerment because they said that we can be just as like we're even dirtier than men when it comes to our <laughs> sense of humor you guys aren't the only ones that can go lowbrow right absolutely <laughs> You know? And to find out, you know, and it's so funny because the culture of men is different. Like my husband's always saying to my son, well, to me about my son, you know, they, we wrestle, we make fun of each other. That's how we do it. Um, but women aren't like this necessarily. And so, but we interact in the same ways. We can be disgusting and funny and do all these things and swear. Um, it means nothing about anything except for that, except that we can be ourselves now. And, yeah. and not try to be, you know, super mom, although we still are super moms. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I love that. Absolutely. There's such, yeah. there's such, uh, it's such a hard time right now. Cause when I was actually, when I was in Palmer, um, so I'm almost 50 this year, I'll be 50. Okay. And it was normal for like, and it was almost a compliment that you're like, Oh, they were catcalling me or pinching me on the butt. You know, like it was kind of normal back then. And then like, appreciate it now a guy does that and that's completely changed and that's a good thing that's it's yeah it was only acceptable before because it was made acceptable i guess um but it's time to to shake ourselves up from all this and realize that if i say fuck it doesn't mean i'm not professional i'm yeah. not necessarily going to lead with that but there's <laughs> you know you know but um but yeah there's just there's so many ways that we undermine ourselves I have a funny story if you don't mind me sharing it. Yeah, of course. Because it's it kind of illustrates how, you know, no matter that I teach this stuff, I embody this as much as I can. I've raised a son and a daughter who are now older teenagers who see things in the world that I don't even still see because they've been raised in a different generation. Right. But also with a mother who goes, I don't know, you tell me what the answer to that is. Um, so we have more dialogue and more opportunity for them to think about stuff. That's the legacy stuff that I teach for families to really create what they want to create in their families so that they're having that clarity, congruency, and consistency to yeah. move their family towards this because that's what we've done. But anyway, so like in May, this just happened. So my daughter and I love to dance and perform. My husband loves performing in a different way, like he's a speaker and stuff. And so in May, we were asked to do this thing that's every other year, which is that all the families, all the families and parents of the dancers and people in show choir can get up and do this performance. So we were like watching the videos, doing the dance. I knew how to do it, but we had wicked snowstorms this year. And every time the rehearsal was in person, 
it would be rescheduled to a day that I couldn't do it. And so at the last day I thought, I don't even want to do this anymore. Maybe it was part of that whole transition thing, whatever, like a the snow <laughs> changing, all my crap had to change. Um, but I just, you know, I said to my husband, I texted him and said, you know, have fun at that thing tonight. Knew he was totally into it. I'm not going to do it. I'll just see you at eight when you get home. To which, what does he text back? Okay, babe, see you at eight. You'd think that that would be wonderful, wouldn't you? Because he's being awesome. Like, yeah. no, no fight, no, you know, whatever. Me in my crock brain of survival from the past said, <laughs> you know, you see it coming, don't you? <laughs> I was like, what an asshole. He didn't even fight for me. He wasn't saying, you love to dance, Brooke. Why aren't you like supporting your daughter in this thing that she's so excited? Blah, blah, blah. Luckily, I've been doing this for a long time and I went, oh, come on, Brooke. Of course, he's honoring my power, my strength of making a decision. But yet, in the past, he would have come home and had an earful from me. Right? Yeah. So we learn to navigate our relationships in a different way. Luckily, I stopped myself. And we were when he came home, I'm like, you won't believe what, what you nearly walked into. <laughs> so we can laugh at it now. So I love that. Yeah. I, I, I want to ask you this. Um, if in, in a perfect world, this person is picking up the phone or uh, contacting you on your website, and you're going to help them with what? You want me to answer that? Yeah. I work, marketing you brought up earlier has been something that I had to perfect for my own self. And that's part of finding our voice. Everybody wanted me to niche down, um, but I'm a personality. Um, and that's how I need to market. I really serve two communities. One is women who are, who understand their strength and power, okay. but they're still doing things like my story from May that undermine ourselves. I help them look around themselves. I've got that six pillars that I use for all people to help us look at those six foundational places in our life and see where what we're doing right and what we can improve on. Okay. And then I ask them to look at that periodically in a, in a systematic way that I have um, to bring those papers back because looking at your patterns are really important. And I bring that into the second group that I work with which is families. And so often it's the mothers, sometimes it's the fathers. Um, I have this book I'm gonna show you. It's called The Envelope System. And I wrote this um, almost three years ago now. And it was written for a man because one of my good friends, her husband was dying. Uh, he, has a, he had a terminal illness. They figured they couldn't do anything with it medically. He was given three to six months to live. And we would go and clean, this is a close friend of mine, and cook food for them, and I was nauseated every time I went. Not because, the, I mean, it's good things we did for them, absolutely, I'm not saying don't do those things, but I knew I had something more that they needed okay. from me. And I went away for the weekend for a scrapbooking girls weekend, and I didn't sleep for two nights, and I just wrote and wrote and wrote, 300 and something pages, it got edited down into just over 100. Okay. But I needed that man who was dying to be with his daughter forever. Because remember those foundational holes that we create for each other. When her dad dies, I knew people that I've coached in the past and known in the past, actually, and married in the past, because yeah. <laughs> I was, said I was divorced, um, who have a story around that relationship with our parents. And okay. if that man was not going to be around to talk to her about things like she's 13 years old when he died, 
14, sorry, when he died, we actually got almost two years from him after that, like after that diagnosis. So okay. we had a lot of time to prepare some of this stuff. Thank God. Um, but married sex, who's going to talk to her about that from a man's point of view? Right. Who's going to tell her when you've had a shitty boss? What do you do about that? Like, do you act shitty back? Or are you going to, is there something better? What did he do? Because none of us want to be told what to do, but we need that wisdom from our elders and from our, the people around us that we love and care for. So how is he going to share those important imp informational things, you know, when you hate your spouse and want to kill them? We've all had these feelings. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> But we don't act on them typically, right? Um, so I asked him to share his stories. When I when I met your mom, what are my first kiss? Have I ever stolen anything? All these things that form who we are, I felt like she needed to know because legitimately my dad's still alive and he's not receptive to this stuff. So the pain in me knew how to give him something, a gift to give his daughter forever. And that's that's why I work with oh. families and legacy. Holy crap, that's awesome. Yeah, I it's love cool, that. isn't it? Yeah, um, and you. People can get your book. Can they get that book at your website? They can, yeah. They can get it on my website. Um, it links you to Amazon, which is the theenvelopesystem.com, um, and it'll take you straight to Amazon to buy that. Uh, actually, if you want to message me, I, I think it's on my website, to be honest. I'm not sure. Um, you can get it through my Facebook page, though, Dr. Brooke Lyons, spelt in that weird way with the H, um, and it is on that that purchase but message me if you want me to sign it um, because I'm you know one of the things that's happened through this is that I began to coach men more I thought I was always about women but I'm really about the foundation of our families and so little girls even though that's my you know women are my target we start out as little girls and if yeah. we don't have that relationship especially with our father God the research the research was outstanding and terrifying because so many of the choices and so remember, the book was for my, fr I didn't know I was going to publish a book, but it became, everybody wanted it. Right. I thought I was just helping my man friend help his daughter. Um, this stuff ends up, it's for everybody. It's, you know, at Mile High, we know Danny Knowles, he interviewed me on his, on his podcast last April and everything that happened to him nearly dying. Um, it's funny, if you listen to that, there's some foreshadowing. It's amazing what we feel instinctively, although we, we don't know. Because we were talking about, like, well, I'm not obviously going to die anytime soon. Oh, God. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, what would you suggest people do? And in my research, you know, I'm just going to give you, you – there's nothing I, I can I, – I want to give you everything I know because even as a, as a person with a business that, that is going to hopefully lead you down the road to working with me for a monetary ex exchange, I, I can give you everything, and it still has to be – put together in a way that means something to you. So I never worry about giving everything away. So the top two things that every single person, male and female, want to know from their parents and their loved ones, can you guess one of them? Give it a, give it a shot. What do you think? Um, what did you regret? Or To me, it's like, I guess regrets in there is what, what would you do differently? Yes. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. And, and so that is, that has come up nonstop, nonstop. Yeah. What, what it, some people say it, like, what was your transitional time? What, what yeah. changed your life forever? The two things, if I'm going to suggest, cause I do, everybody needs to have three letters written for all of your loved ones. One is a letter that I've reproduced and it's in my car and in my wallet. It's when I die, 
when what that means. And so for my children, it's been it's been like I thought I was going to die before I had my son. So he's my second child. I have a daughter and then I had a son. And I thought for some reason I wasn't going to live through that. And then I literally nearly died in, in a plane crash. And so both times I, I felt like I needed to create something. So I do I did journals. So they've got books of this stuff that like what it felt like to breastfeed them because I would like them to nurse their children but I understand as a, as a human that I can't tell them what to do. But when I share, looking down at their little eyes and no, like playing with their fingers and how special that moment was, I'm hoping they will draw from that feeling and know that I wanna do that too. That's freaking cool. I'm gonna be that parent. Um, so the three letters are, are, so I wanted them to know when I die, there's a bigger purpose in life. So obviously we've had exactly the time we needed together for you to go and do amazing things with that. So so be sad that I'm gone because we have a tight relationship. I don't have that with my family. So that was a purposeful thing for me. But if if I can explain to them that it was purposeful and it's okay that I'm gone, then they can move forward with more power. And the second thing is the research was Everybody wants to know that their parents are proud of them and that we love them. Yeah. And if we don't, it, even if you say those things every day, there's reasons why people will clear out the attic and find stacks of letters. Because when we write these things, it's not even type them. And we know like brain function, we hit so many more neurons when we write. It's so important that we write these things down. Um, if you're dying though, I've counseled dying people who um, I said, talk it, talk it into a thing if you can't, if you don't want to disclose it to somebody, have them typing it, um, it, it's too late for you to write it. And that's fine. But if you have the gift of time, which we do today, write, I love you. Can you feel how impactful yeah. that would be? Yeah. It changes everything. So, so when I wrote this to my friend, so in the envelope system at the moment, when Tom was alive, he didn't really want everybody to know what he like that he was dying. He felt like he was going to be judged and you know treated differently. So yeah, in the book, okay. he's called Tim, and so but it's really Tom. And so Tom, um, Tom was so wise and really so helped me um, formulate some of these ideas. But when I presented this to their family, I mean, when you're walking in with an idea like this, it felt like I was intruding in their space because when you get a diagnosis like that, your whole life changes. You're on appointments and schedules and who do I want to see and your everything shifts. Yeah. And so I knew what they were going through and, um, but I had this gift I wanted to give them in hopes that he would do it and he did. I walked in the door, we, t we chatted for a little while, he's all like attached to all these things already, it was terrible. And I presented the idea to them, gave them the book, and Denise, um, the, his wife, looked at me and ran up the stairs. And it still gives me goosebumps because it makes me cry because I was, I was so scared that I had yeah. intruded and insulted them and been too close in there. But part of my journey is that I can no longer be scared to say the wrong thing or to ask deep, powerful questions or to come on a podcast like this and just share my heart about this. Because if we don't connect on this heart level, you won't write those letters and somebody in your life loves you and will miss you if you're gone tomorrow or today. So she ran upstairs and in those moments that it took her to run up the stairs, grab something and come back, she came up downstairs with a framed um, note. Her dad and her had such an amazing relationship. In fact, he's actually gone in the last year. 
But they spent every weekend at the cottage together. And he, at a restaurant, wrote, I love you on a piece of paper. And the woman framed it. And it was beside their bed. So when I presented this idea, she was like, oh, my God, I get this. Yeah. And that's what she was running upstairs for. And she came back and she said, We're, this is this is this is real. This yeah. is real. And um, yeah. So Ooh. I I uh, I had the luxury of meeting your husband, too, for the first time. Yeah. Uh, at Mile high. He's a cool dude. He's really interesting. He's he's different. He's cool. I love the research thing. He actually told me the first time he saw me, he goes, I did not like you. <laughs> he's pretty bold. And I'm like, I dig that, man. He goes, and he gave me his reason why. And then he's like, and then I learned. I, my take would be um, you guys make an interesting couple, I would assume. Because part of me thinks that he would, from his perspective, the work that you do, I can almost go and see him, bit, like, not bitch about it, but almost be like, well, that's bullshit. No one needs this stuff. <laughs> it, it, right? But He's actually so heart-filled. He, he, he has a photographic memory. But you know when people have a photographic memory, usually they're just, pardon me, but kind of assholes. Like they just don't understand humans. <laughs> Sorry, but it's my experience anyways. Yeah. Um, but they just, they don't understand the communication. Dan actually talks to his parents every single day. He has a deeper connection on the heart space that he had to teach me actually. So even though he is, I mean, he remembers all the research and has very strong views about yeah, yeah. and health. Um, he is absolutely heart filled. And if I ever, so he, um, because my parents didn't have money growing up, we got into the habit of making presents and Dan Lyons will make the most incredible gifts. He made a diorama, which is of the world that says Brooke Lyons changes the world. So it's funny. Oh, how sweet. Yeah. He, he really gets us. And, and you're right. We do make it an interesting couple because um, my way of doing the chiropractic is absolutely not in his way. He gets it, though, because I, I scope and use instrumentation and x-ray. So he, in his world, that's how, why that works. Yeah. Um, but we have such different ways. I mean, talk about strong alpha male. Yeah. And also strong alpha female. Um, but yeah, for my children... It has been the biggest blessing because while they live in a generation where being heard is so valued, their dad's a teller. You're going to do it my way. And so sometimes they'll bitch to me like, oh, mom, you listen to us and dad just tells us what to do. Well, you were paired up with the perfect parents because everything in our past, whether that's your experience or something different, it marries together when we decide it will and creates this foundation of that's who I am. That's why my kids will know how to deal with both kinds of people. Yeah. It's a blessing. I'm going to get your perspective on this um, topic that's been percolating for me. Um, and it, I'm going to come, as we do at Cairo Sushi, we come from a really raw perspective. Uh, having gone to a lot of seminars in the last two years um, and being one of the things, I don't like to say leader, but uh, someone of influence in some ways, whether it's um, putting people on stages. Yeah. Uh, one of the things with the women's movement in chiropractic that's been, uh, I think I'm looking for this in two perspectives. One from a male perspective of what I really, sh what male should be considerate of. And two, from a female perspective of females. One of the things that's interesting is if you go back to the 80s and 90s, 
because I've had this conversation with like Janice Hughes and other women in chiropractic is that there's a concern that we don't want to get back to the old boys club. And, and let's get raw with what that means. There were people at times that used to sleep, women would sleep with leaders in chiropractic and chiropractic leaders would, would abuse that. Well, I've had plenty of opportunities being a single male, uh, not now, but before in the last couple of months where I was in opportunities with females in the chiropractic space. And I'm literally like, I'm not doing this so that you, you, you let's put that on the table. You're not going to be speaking at the seminar because I might actually have to speak at the for that. Awesome. Yes. But these weird things come up for me, and there's a lot of um, there's a movement like much like the '60s again, of like free sex, and it's weird in the chiropractic culture space. We see it at the seminars where women who are empowered are kind of like dudes. What we perceive dudes to be, they're like, look, um, and I'm saying this raw. I've had women approach me at chiropractic conferences, going, "I want to go up to your hotel room right now," and I'm going, "This is not normal for me." Right. Um, so how is a male in chiropractic space supposed to um, help empowered women like that? And what do women be, need to be concerned about in that area? How, because it's new for us. Yeah. I guess I can't really speak to that. I've been married for 20 years. Right. Now, so, but I'm um, asking from a perspective of a coach. Yeah. Well, and, and I was going to get to that. So I, I guess I'm a I'm a – what I do Plus, this gives me really great clickbait stuff to say we talked about sex. Absolutely. And we should talk about sex because yeah. sex is definitely, it's in our marketing. It's in who we are. I mean, yeah. I did my hair and makeup today and I didn't come out as a slob because there is sexual appeal in that. It is just a thing. It just really is. Um, and, and I don't mind sharing that I was a professional cheerleader because that slaps in the face. You're a doctor and you were a cheerleader. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so I think, I think that but I think you, you, you're aware at conferences there's a change there's a new change in women's kind of confidence yeah. and also what's on big, the table. I'm a big fan of BU um, because, like I said, one of the things I do best is is I might have a course for you to consume, but what has to happen is that you get asked the questions that move that in towards what you need in your life. And so I have a hard time ever saying something's good or bad because in my experience in my life, the things that looked the worst were the best avenue for me to learn something valuable. Yeah. And so part of me, so what, one of the nonprofits, I'm on the board of a couple, and I'm also always like if I have ticket sales, a portion of my sales always goes towards helping people get out of the trafficking industry, human trafficking. Um, and so what I see in that industry, um, I'm going to relate it to this because sometimes we give our power away not understanding that that's what it is. Right. However, sometimes we use something for our power and it feels really good, not just sexually, but physically to have that, like I use my body and we both had such joy from that. Yeah. And, and there, you know, so I guess it, it depends what we're going in. Some people will say that's for the power. Some people I've talked with coming out of the industry went purposely into the human trafficking industry because they had power over, they had been raped or, or not felt good about themselves. And they had power over men who like me now, sometimes women too. Um, and so, so I can't tell you though, whether that's coming from their pain of their childhood or their, their upbringing, or whether that's just something they needed to do to create mm -hmm. this new thing that they're going to go to. So I have a real trouble. Like I, I'm just not one to judge. I just, I yeah, I just I think it's good if it's good for you. And even if it's bad for you, I think it can be good. 
Like I tell my kids, whether this thing you really want happens or doesn't happen, it's good. And this will be a topic for Kairos Sushi listeners that I'll be bringing up with uh, women in chiropractic around the road. I want to get to some of the weird questions we get to before we close out, typically a sushi cast. Are you ready for that? I don't know, but we'll find out. <laughs> okay. Um, it, um, are you, as from a chiropractic perspective, a BJ Palmer or DD Palmer uh, fan? Who, BJ. Where you BJ? Do you want to know why? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was a campus guide at Palmer, and I got to go through his house and like lift up their stuff and touch it. And that guy just had, he thought on a different level, like a space level. And the whole like little bit of heaven, Dan and I were married in, in um, 2001 by Dr. Maxine McMullen in Little Bit of Heaven. She was the last person. Yeah, cool, right? That's really cool. I know. So she was the last person to do a wedding there in 1972 or 73. And when we found out that, she was both our mentors. And so we asked her to do that. Um, there's a whole story. One day you'll, I'll share that with you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, he just, even just a little bit of heaven knowing about that, just everything, marketing, how to relate to people, how to still be your crazy, your version of crazy, and like have people follow it along. Cool guy. If you were to have dinner with a dead chiropractor, who would it be and what would be your first question? Maxine, Mc... mm. Maxine McMullen. Okay. Yeah. Ah. You're going to make me cry, dude. This is awesome. <laughs> awesome. Um, <dude. laughs> she... <laughs> it's good, though. We have to be real, right? Yeah. Um, and you know what I'm so glad? Side note. Remember the days when chiropractors got on and fake cried on stage because it was heartfelt and I'm so glad those days are over like yeah it has become just the authenticity of because you could feel that when they're putting it on it's terrible but anyway Maxine McMullen the the, the 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 learn from the old 80s reverence on uh yeah yeah I think it was 80s actually because I was yeah. working I was volunteering with Guy Reekman's uh, quest stuff back then I think that was exactly when um so <laughs> not he never did it but other people did so so she had in Paul, at Palmer in Davenport, she pulled a bunch of us aside and she would do pool parties and dinners and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, actually Monique and Tamara were two, three of those or two of those five. And so we hadn't seen each other since we graduated. We reunited at mile high and I couldn't stop the tears that day either because Maxine had seen something in all of us. And I walked away from actually practicing for many, many years because I was, I was about the business of raising my family in the way that I didn't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, and so all this power I accrued was in part by saying, I have a doctorate and I'm not going to use it in that way right now. Yeah. She knew something was powerful about the five of us. And indeed, all five of us have done incredible things for the profession. Um, and she was also, ironically, a little funny story. We were sleeping at her house one day because she mentored my husband, Dan, as well. And so we brought our newborn, chiropractic everything, you know, um, organic, like we were neurotic about all those things that were, are kind of getting more mainstream now, um, not vaccinated, didn't do the eye stuff, had her at home. And Maxine McMullen at three months old, I think it was three, three months old, she was eating ice cream. She dips her finger in it and shoves it in my baby's mouth. <laughs> and so we are all human is, is the story for that. But I, I just want to talk to her more about her life, her story. I don't even know how she got into chiropractic. I don't know the pain that she felt in her yeah. life. 
being a woman who was like at the forefront of the pediatric movement of chiropractic, how did that even happen? Who, how did she align herself with such incredible other women? I want to know some of those answers, and I never thought. To, now with my book, oh my gosh, I would have. I ask much different questions with people already. Um, yeah. I'll give you some word associations or some name associations too, and get your your feedback. You mentioned Dr. Monique Andrews, so let's. What's what's the first word or something that comes when I mention Dr. Mo? Powerful. Okay. Um, Danny Knowles. Loving. Uh, Dan Lyons. Mm, everything. <laughs> uh, Brooke Lyons. Self. Okay. Um, uh, Mabel or uh, Mabel Palmer. Another everything. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you, uh, you when you hear the term straight in chiropractic. One word. Or it could just oh, have to be one word. It could just opinions. Be a opinions. <laughs> Mixer. Opinions. Drugs in chiropractic. Journey. Ooh, okay. Um, let's say you're at a, a Cairo Sushi summer camp in Miami in June of next year, and you're coming down the elevator at the, um, I think we're looking at, uh, oh, I won't share yet for people, but really, really cool hotel in Miami. <laughs> And you have some young um, docs, DCs to be, maybe from Florida Palmer or Life, and they have you in the elevator, and they said, hey, we only got a couple seconds with you. Give, what, what would you tell us before we launch into this career and journey with chiropractic? I would say every day, all day long, write yourself notes about chiropractic things. For example, we know that when your hips are off, your shoes are off, and so there's wear. Every little thing that you can think of, write as many as you can, more than 100. And every day make a one to three minute video about, hi, I'm Dr. Brooke Lyons, and I just thought you should know that chiropractically we look at your shoes. Because when you have wear on that shoes, that tells me that your body is not operating properly. And that means your brain is not communicating with your body. And that means all your hormones, your muscles or ligaments, even the way you think and whether you feel good about your life are impacted. So come in to see me and just see what that's all about. You need a hundred of those in your YouTube station that are not even launched. Because when you get out in the field, it's not enough to wish and hope that people will come see you. They have no idea what you do, none. Even myself, when I say chiropractic, I don't even say chiropractic. That's what I loved um, about the seminars. We were taught to not say I'm a chiropractor, right? We were taught to say I, I help women or whatever you do. We have to have that catalog because when you launch in practice, you don't understand that you're going to be calling people, making visits. Like You have to establish your credibility. And as a new doc, whether you're old, I was old. I was in my 30s when I graduated. So having that backlog of go look at my YouTube station because there's all kinds of videos. You're probably like, let me know your top two, give them directions. And if you don't have a hundred videos in there, you can't say that. If you don't say, what are your top two that you like the best? Maybe I'll, that's what I can talk with about your, to your group. Um, the, you're not leading them down the path of your success because they have to know what to do. They have to know and they have to have proof. So interview what you do is so brilliant because 
it's not even about us because I'm not going to say I'm Dr. Brooke Lyons. I help people do this. I'm so amazing. You know, this is my, this is a testimonial even it's bring the testimony people in part of your hundred videos. Don't, yeah. don't necessarily just have to be you. It's, you know, you know, you don't have to stay. I'm a student right now. Don't do that. Cause these are to be used when you are a doctor and trying to get people to understand what you're doing. Interview fellow chiropractor or chiropractic students. You're so full of the energy of it. And that might change soon when you get into the understanding that you're also going to be doing business, all that crap. So if that's crap to you, it's crap to me. This is yeah. awesome. You, uh, yeah. Fantastic. 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 Uh, guys, if you're listening, uh, I want you to go, uh, if, if you're listening to us on the SushiCast on live, you can, there's links all around. You can go to Dr. Brooke Lyons. It's D-R-B-R-O-O-K-H. Lions, L-Y-O-N-S dot com. I want you to check out a couple things. Um, I want you to check out the Roar Conference, which will be happening in November um, in Wisconsin. Uh, And I want you also to check out the Envelope System book, uh, which you can pick up on Amazon, get the paper book, or get it on Kindle. That sounded amazing. I'm going to pick up my copy today. And also I want you guys to inquire and download her life assessment and see if there's a fit for you guys to work together. I want to thank Dr. Brooke for joining me today and giving me some time. Um, I will also be having her husband, Dan, on uh, to promote the upcoming uh, research symposium in Chicago. So I get my double dip of lions this week. (laughs) That's a good thing. Roar. (laughs) That was weak. Roar. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you.